Hello and welcome to the OTM podcast. I'm Craig Brown. And I'm Miriam Higgins. And who's on today's programme? Today we will be chatting to Polly Cole. Holly, would you like to tell us a bit about who you are and what you do? I'm the executive director and CEO of Pegasus Theatre, which is a gorgeous theatre based in East Oxford. And we specialise largely in work for 0 to 25 year olds. And we provide opportunities for them to learn and develop skills, create work and also see work. That's kind of our mission in a nutshell. What is the Pegasus doing to keep itself going in the current situation we've been having a whale of a time in all honesty (laughs) um many people may not be saying that it has been quite remarkable because when we closed there was sort of this panic of oh my god what do we do Um, and then we really quickly kind of settled into you know working from home and then sort of looking at how do we translate what we normally do into the digital world So Nadia, our producer, was given the task of trying to find some digital content from artists. And we kind of focused on our Spark artists because we work with them kind of consistently over a year. And we even pulled in some of our previous year's Spark artists. And we offered a really tiny commission fee. And I mean, it really was tiny. And just said, can you create some digital content for us? So we've had a whole mix of pre-recorded streamings of shows and then uh, live workshops and masterclasses and Q&As from some, you know, from some of our amazing artists. You know, Teddy Lamb's done Q&A for us. Richard Chappell's done a dance workshop. Morgan and West have streamed an entire one of their shows. Robin Olivia has done some puppet workshops. And it, it's just been a really interesting way of kind of turning around how we work. And then on top of that, our learning creative learning department it was kind of well what are we going to do we've got a term starting our summer term starting oh my god so how do we do that and that sort of stemmed into a whole range of how do we keep everybody safe you know we have to think about safeguarding online we can't just randomly go into zoom and (laughs) see what happens but then it was also the negotiation with our freelancers because we kind of committed to paying them their contracts and then it was but can you work in this way you know, can you deliver, you know, a drama workshop for five to eight year olds via Zoom? Turns out you can. Who knew? (laughs) But it has been quite fun and there have been interesting moments. But we've kind of then got, you know, although it's reduced, you know, the capacities are reduced and we're not the, the sessions are shorter. We've managed to get our summer courses kind of operating online as well. So that's been quite fun. We've been working on a new website for quite a long time before we went into lockdown. And that gave us an opportunity to kind of just sit there and go, well, we're kind of not doing anything else. Should we actually finish that? So we went live with our new website in May really quickly, which has been great because it's enabled us to provide a, a better platform for all the other things we've been up to. So in essence, that's kind of what we've been doing to survive and create content and then financially, it, it, it's been interesting. You know, there's a whole kind of world of can we survive? Do we survive? And the answer is yes, uh, because, you know, the Arts Council have been really good for MPOs. You know, 
we're still getting our grants. We haven't had to apply for emergency funding, but many others have. Our cash flow's fine. That's so good to hear. Yeah, we've been really lucky. Um, and a lot of it's to do with, you know, we've had two years of really hard financial management of, no, we can't do that because we don't have the money to. And we need to make sure that we've got a level of reserves that keeps us secure in a crisis, which, you know, to be honest, I don't think any of us were really thinking a crisis on this level would be rocking up. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, so we've done that. But it has meant that, you know, we've obviously had the first quarter of the financial year with no earned income, which is tricky. So we've launched a fundraising campaign at the end of June just to say, OK, we kind of need to make sure we've still got money coming in. We've had an amazing response to that. We're now just we've in I think we launched it two weeks ago and uh, we've just raised over seven thousand pounds in that period. So I'm quite impressed with that. So, And all of that. So financially, it's fine. And the job retention scheme, we haven't got a huge amount of staff. Um, There are only 14 of us generally. So our front of house team, bless them, are on furlough, which is a bit traumatic for us all. But they're there and we're still in contact with them. You know, we still have catch up meetings to go, oh, what's everybody been up to? And then that money is kind of helping to support what would have been our earned income. And the fundraising campaign is generating money. And obviously, trusts and foundations are a bit difficult at the moment, but we've still found a few ways of drawing in money from funds. Mm. So all in all, fingers crossed at the moment, we're okay. And as long as we can still generate money throughout the next few months, we will be okay. But it's a fine balancing act. It's so lovely to hear such positivity as well from a theatre right now. I do sometimes sit there thinking, oh, we are a bit lucky in comparison to many others. Mm. And some of it, it is it is just about, you know, you take a difficult situation and you go, right, what are we going to do? And, you know, we've made cutbacks because the building's not open. So we haven't got overheads going out that we would have normally. You know, our, our gas bill, for example, was £7. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you've got to find the bonuses in these things and then it's about balancing um and then keeping everybody alive and we are lucky you know we're a small organization we're a bit we can be adaptable and a bit nimble and you know we know where we are so we can keep sort of challenging what we're up to i think we're all getting a bit bored now you know we'd much rather be doing what we usually do but Generally, we're doing okay. It's just to see what happens over the next few months, really, because at the moment we're trying to plan for what happens in September Mm. and kind of where we go from there. We also run our acting diploma with Boom Satsuma in And we have, obviously, we have year 12s and 13s and our year 12s basically sort of came back in in June. So we had a whole kind of risk assessment moment around that. And then we've got the students back in sort of restarting their classes. So they're in a little lockdown world of their own. So there's only the tutors. There are four tutors, two front of house staff, and then 24 students who are in kind of three days a week doing classes and nobody else is allowed in the building. So it's been quite fun. A risk assessment for that was horrific. But anyway, the joys of working in theatre. Nobody tells you it's going to be so glamorous. <laughs> 
How are they running at the moment then? Are they able to just come in and sort of get on with their work? Yeah, I mean, fundamentally they are. You know, there are stricter rules about we staggered registration time. So they're split into two groups and the building's split into right. two. So one group's only allowed in the studio in certain areas and the other group's only allowed in the theatre in certain areas. And we've had to provide outside spaces for breaks we've kind of managed it to that and we've kind of it, it was quite funny as we were sitting there and uh, our creative learning director John Blessing was um, taping out the spaces so they have boxes they have two meter boxes that they can kind of gauge what the social distance is Hi, and okay. it, it's that joke of oh now you've got to get back in your box so they kind of have to work in those boxes which is quite hard when you're trying to do um, you know drama or what have you but it seems to be, it's working in a way, you know, it's not yeah. perfect, it's not ideal, it's not what we'd love to be doing. But it's better than not. Not, mm. exactly. Mm. That's kind of where it sort of sits. And that's given us a head start, really, as we sort of plan for September. And we kind of look at, you know, how we can bring back, because we will have more acting diploma students in September, because we'll have both groups. Uh, both year groups a new intake and the existing one and then we'll have our own participation courses to think about you know because I don't think any of us really want to continue doing them online because it it has its own issues so kind of looking at how we can break the building down again to add to what is quite a f- full schedule of acting diploma and then include you know the drama classes and the street dance classes and some of our inclusion work and how we do that and our young companies Mm. you know we've lost so much sort of work with our young companies and to kind of rebuild that up is going to be interesting but we're working on that at the moment and our plan so far is that we'll be bringing back not on quite the scale that we were before but at least with you know, reduced capacities and possibly reduced timings, we can bring back elements of participation work. We're not really looking to bring back shows. Well, we've we've said we won't be bringing back shows before the end of September. And we're looking at the shows that we had penciled for October and November. So, yeah, it's all been quite busy, really. We now have a special treat for those of you who are missing being inside a venue. Karis Hopkins from the Pegasus Young Company has recorded an audio tour of the Pegasus Theatre in the form of a poem. A theatre, a studio, a green room, a workshop, a cafe, a series of rooms that make up a building. Nothing remarkable, nothing life-changing. And yet, there's a sort of thrill in the air, a promise of excitement, of magic, of jokes shared and laughter and joy and the community you share that promise with. Because it's the laughter, the excitement, the joy, the magic, the bonds formed, the passion awakened, the emotions made palpable, the people that make this building more than a building. They make it a theatre. They make it a home. If you'd be so kind as to step through to the foyer, the gateway to countless adventures, and behold the dappled colours that dance and weave on the branches of our beloved tree, bearing the names and words of those who enabled our journeys to the stage. It pulls you in, as the box office pulls in audiences. Parents and students alike gather, minds thrumming with what's to come through those stage doors. The foyer in a single word? Anticipation. But I mentioned the stage doors. Shall we see where they lead? 
spoilers, is the stage. Even when empty, this big black box bombards you with an endless stream of stories, be they the shows to which it gave a voice or the lives that unfolded and minds that expanded within its sanctum. Its adaptability testimony to everything stood for by Pegasus. Its wings packed fit to burst with giggles, nerves and hugs. The birthplace of the most elaborate of secret handshakes. The young voices it has nurtured bounce off the walls in all forms. The timid yet determined five-year-old delivering her first lines. Colliding with the ebullient cries of the 25-year-old in action. The tireless acting diploma students flow through its every inch. The young companies burst into life as Remix opens its arms in a haven to those far from home. The space is intimate, yet intrinsically an outlet. Drama, dance, comedy, music. What cannot be contained is contained within these walls. But as we spill out, it is contained no more. Our hearts and minds running over. Let's move on before I get too carried away. If we turn right down this corridor, we should find ourselves in, yes, the dressing rooms. Now, if the foyer was anticipation, this is anticipation with an edge. What's the edge, you ask? Panic. Sheer, unadulterated terror. It could also be considered the edge from which we jump into the sea of stage lights and sweat which so consumes us, hoping to all things merciful that we swim rather than sink. Melodramatic? Of course. We're actors after all. Of course the edge of excitement is there as well. In the smaller space it's tangible. Notes are received. Lines are held literally and figuratively across circles, as actors are prone to form circles at any given opportunity. Auditions, too, amplify this room's nervous energy. Monologues ever so slightly rushed. The tight breath sucked in walking through the doors. The rushing breath of relief expelled walking back out. In contrast, the steady hand of the youth board holds its meetings in this room, the room where it happens, shaping our little corner of the future. What phrase springs to mind in the dressing rooms? Ah, yes. No pressure. At the end of the corridor lies the green room, a sanctuary to collapse into, swigging from water bottles, bones aching. Most importantly, home of the microwave. Right next door we have the studio. A simple square room, yet explosively vibrant. The pounding feet of street dancers punctuate the beating heart at this room's very core, as it provides the spaces nobody else will. The space to live your truth. Whether you're a vulnerable child acting out, or a young woman looking forward, this is your space. For adults with learning disabilities, it acts as a catalyst. The true colours of the LGBTQ plus community are unleashed alongside the spark of creativity ignited in developing artists. While the tales of the world unfold for the first time before tiny, wide eyes. All these lives expanded. Battles fought and won, escapism explored, communities unified. All in this simple, square room. We pass the workshop as we head back. Ducking inside, you'll be glad not to have missed it. A maze of mystical items and tools guarded by its very own Minotaur. As this is an audio tour, I feel it necessary to mention that this is not in fact a real Minotaur, but the head of a puppet hung triumphantly upon the wall. (laughs) Anything is possible in a theatre. In this room of inventory and invention, 
Worlds are built and dismantled by practical yet imaginative minds. Each itemised tool awaits its cue, its role to play, each as vital as the last. Our final room is back down the corridor, back through the theatre, back out into the foyer and up the stairs, winding around the tree trunk until you reach the cafe. For me, this cafe is home to some of my happiest memories. As we pile onto sofas, the development of bonds from budding to blossoming to unbreakable can all be traced here. Open to the public, a place of wider community, a place of congregation, to meet and greet and hug and tease. Oh, and of course, to eat. And this is where our tour comes to an end. Thanks for coming. Hope to see you again. I was just wondering what do you think would help the public confidence in getting back into the Pegasus, but also theatres in general? It's that reassurance level. And I don't think any of us can give it in its entirety. But, you know, we'd be looking in the things that we've already been doing. I mean, there are sanitizer stations everywhere around the building. So, you know, hand sanitising, <laughs> you need an awful lot of hand cream to go with it, is all I'm saying, because <laughs> otherwise you're thinking that drop off after a while um, <laughs> so there's an awful lot of hand sanitizing going on it's also thinking about how many people you can fit in spaces and you know do people wear masks do they not is a big question because actually it, it would help us but there's a lot of indications that audiences don't want to do that and it's also the nature of the work that we can program you know there's a lot of discussion at the moment around you know voices and spitting at people actors spitting at people so we've got to kind of come over those find ways to deal with them which we haven't in its entirety at the moment you know there'll be screens up at front of house and all sorts of things that we've got to get in place before we can can start to think about bringing back performances we were going oh well maybe we could do outdoor because outdoors obviously a lot safer but you know mm. by the time we get back to it, it's going to be November and it's going to be freezing and raining <laughs> so that isn't going to be the answer I don't think so we've got to find ways of looking at how we can make people safe we've got more cleaners in the building now than I've ever seen you know it's like we continuously have to clean down after classes and we'll have to do that in between each individual kind of session and it will be the same for the theatre you know it's a massive deep clean before we opened and then another one before we reopen again in September we're looking at temperature checks as well I, I always think it's really funny you know you sort of imagine you don't imagine walking into a theatre and going can we take your temperature? <laughs> um, so all of those things that we can do to help. I mean, we're quite lucky to some extent in that we're quite a small venue. It doesn't help financially because we're going to have to cut our capacities, which means, you know, a lot of the work that we do put on over October, November and potentially December will have much reduced capacities, which means there's a fair chance we won't be covering um, the guarantees or the fees that the artists will need to be able to perform, which means we will be subsidising them in a, a larger way than we would do normally, which again has a knock on effect. But it, it's about trying to test out how we can do that. And I think it's probably worth it to just get a sense of how we can move forward in the longer term. Because I mean, this is going to be around for, a, you know, quite a while. We've got to learn to adapt, really. I don't, I don't have all the answers yet. But we will do. <laughs> How has support from the government helped? The Arts Council have been brilliant, as have the City Council. You know, our grants have been maintained. So I will say all good from my perspective. You know, we're looking at how the big 
£1.57 billion of funding for the arts that's been announced, but we don't have the details for yet. We would hope that some of it will trickle down to us as we start to hit difficulties, which, you know, could be January next year. We need to be able to kind of plan for that because we're going to need a little bit of extra subsidy over that period, I think. But I don't know how that's going to work. I would say there may be some concern in the industry that most of that will go to the big hitters, you know, the large venues, Mm. the national venues, um, who are in dire straits. You know, they've been forced to rely on earned income and generate a huge amount of their earned income so that they rely on very little public subsidy as a matter of course. And now they haven't got that. They are going to need it. I'm not saying they don't. But it's just hopeful that some of it will trickle down to venues, but also to the artists, because obviously with the project grants being frozen for a while, I know they're open again now. That's kind of created a hiatus in people creating work. And we don't have companies creating work. We're not going to have anything to put on the stage. So who knows? We shall see. You mentioned earlier your current Spark artist, who is Robin. Can you tell us a bit about what that is and what it means for Robin? So Robin Olivia, I mean, it's a tiny commission that we gave her. And normally as a Spark artist, she'd be working with us over the year. The pieces that they work on, we kind of develop with them and then we provide a platform for them normally. Obviously, most of that's kind of come to a a standstill. But in trying to give them the opportunity to work digitally and to reimagine how they might work, it, it kind of, it's given people an opportunity to reassess what they do, I guess. Mm. The work that Robin did with us for digital was puppetry workshops. That wasn't the nature of the work that she was looking at doing in the longer term with us. But, you know, all of the work that we try to do is about supporting and developing. So we've tried to maintain those contacts and maintain the net underneath those spark artists while we've been closed. And hopefully that will mean that we can pick up quicker as we reopen. What are the Spark Artists? How did that come about? Well, it's about supporting developing art for young people. So we tend to work with younger artists who are also interested in creating work for a younger audience, because after all, that's what Pegasus is all about. We don't provide much because we don't have much, but there is a tiny budget there that enables them to develop a piece of work or their practice in a new way and it could be that they work with our young company on some elements to see what working with young people is like or it could be that we provide space for them to look at how their work can develop. Thomas Page is a dancer who was Hmm. our spark artist, lovely, lovely, lovely. We basically gave him our studio over December when we hadn't, you know, the acting diploma weren't in and said, you know, just feel free, do what you need to do. And those kind of ways of working are interesting. We were also looking with Hannah Greenstreet at a piece that was supposed to be coming out end of July, beginning of August, which was Andromeda. And, you know, we we sort of develop. And then the, the hope is, is that those artists kind of stay with us. You know, Morgan and West started out with us as not with us, they've obviously been working themselves for ages, but they started with us as a spark artist. And that relationship then develops so that they become part of the family almost. You know, mm-hmm. it's like they're currently looking to record a new piece of work and we're, we're trying to work out how we can get them into the theatre, probably in August when there's no students around and 
it means that we're we're kind of generous in the time that we can give because we have yeah. no cash to give anybody but you keep that relationship going as well which is lovely yeah we absolutely do it doesn't work with all of them but as much as we can we try and integrate how we can work with people and how we can support them I think Pegasus is also great at championing those people as well. I always know who the current Spark artist is. Nadia, our producer who looks after them, is absolutely a staunch advocate of every single artist she works with. Mm. And it is amazing. And she finds ingenious ways of doing things with very little money and encouraging and working. And, you know, we find those spaces. That's part of what, you know, I think my job is, is it's to find the, the space in either our budgets or our building to make sure work can be created. But that's nice to hear. I do like the fact that you, you know these things. It's time now for our play of the week. This week's play is from Juliet Dante. One of my favourite plays is Angels in America by American playwright Tony Kushner. It's a big play. It's a stunning play in two parts. The total running time, though, is over seven hours, but each part can be done separately. Part one is called Millennium Approaches. Part two is called Perestroika. It's set in the mid-80s in America during the AIDS epidemic. I first discovered it when I saw it on stage in London in 1993, I think it was. I had no idea what I was going to see, and I came out of there completely moved, bowled over, changed. I still vividly remember the emotions I felt. I don't really remember the set or any amazing effects or anything like that. Possibly because on researching it again recently, I read that Tony Kushner wrote it specifically for about eight actors who can double up and mix genders and he prefers a pared down set, no blackouts. It's not realistic. It's got some very real moments, but it's just stunning and very human. I really, really recommend it. I recently read it again as part of a play reading and loved it again. Chemistry by Joe Lott Dance was premiered online. Do you have any plans to uh, do any more online work? Possibly. A lot of it at the moment is coming up out of sometimes we find things that just work and sit and fit because we are working. You know, we're completely off schedule. Normally, we're we're kind of working to a schedule 18 months in advance and we are completely working off schedule at the moment. So it, it, it depends kind of how who's around and who we're talking to and somebody goes, oh, I've got this. And we go, well, we can help with that. So a lot of our work at the moment is coming together kind of off the hoof a little bit. But hey, that's kind of fun. We don't often get the chance to work like that. So we'll take that. Have any shows or ideas that have come out of this lockdown inspired you for future projects? To some extent, because we obviously we had a bit of a crisis over what do we do at Christmas? Because we always have a Christmas show and we've kind of, you know, we had a a huge kind of conversation in one of our team meetings around what can we do? Because if we are going to commission something, and this was in May when we had no idea whether we'd even be able to open, but it's that concept. But if we are able to open and we haven't been through the process and we haven't started 
commissioning something or looking at commissioning something, we're not going to have anything. So we had an interesting conversation with Phil Skitt, who worked with us last Christmas. And we're now developing a work which is around kind of isolation and loneliness. But it'll be Christmassy. It won't be all doom and gloom. But Mm -hmm. it's around, you know, how you kind of come out of that isolation if you've been alone and is it a party and how does it work and we're working sort of for the primary school age on this front and we've had to go out to schools and kind of say if we couldn't get you into the building would you be happy for a performer to come out to your school and do a Christmas show in your school rather than you know we're coming through all of the different variations on the theme and we got to a point where it was like Phil Skitt would normally have applied for project funding. They couldn't apply for project funding. So we basically, we persuaded our board that we could allocate commissioning money for them to develop a piece. Because even if we don't use it this year, we could use it next year at Christmas. So Mm. it's kind of that balancing act of how how do you manage something, but also allow the flexibility for it not quite to go right. But at the moment, they're working on that. And we're still in conversations with the schools around whether it will happen this year or whether it we will dis- defer it until next year. But that kind of stemmed very much out of what was happening in May and how could we respond and what would be useful and appropriate for schools. So we're quite it, it's going to be a good show, I think, whether it comes out this Christmas or next Christmas. Who knows? Do you have a favourite part of um, the Pegasus building that maybe the audiences wouldn't necessarily see or that you like to spend time in most? The garden is one of my favourite places, largely because I can kind of walk outside. The garden's kind of a really nice space and it nobody, unless you're used to working in the building, you don't really know it's there because it, it mm. comes out of the studio in effect. Mm. So if the studio doors are open and you're working in the studio, you know the garden's there. But if you're in the theatre, you'd never know that there was a little garden out the back that is a little beautiful haven of peace. Where can people go to keep up to date with Pegasus? Website. Absolutely. Our beautiful new website has more information on than our old one ever had. And it's it's interesting. It will keep you up to date on any digital work that we've got going. It will also keep you up to date on where our thinking is with what we're doing in September. So hopefully it's, you know, www.pegasustheatre.org.uk. You can also make a donation via the website if you wish to, which is a very good thing to do. Straight through the website, there's a big green donate. I think it's green, a big green donate button. Well, Polly, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. It has been a delight. Thank you very much to our guest, Polly Cole. Next week, we'll be chatting to Lucy Askew about creation theatre. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review and subscribe. And you can find us on Twitter at OxTheatreMakers, Instagram OxTheatre, Facebook OxTheatreMakers and our email is OxTheatreMakersEvents at gmail.com. 